Hello from 250 miles above the Earth. I'm NASA astronaut Shane Kimbrough, and I'm here at the International Space Station reminding you, don't stop now, have faith for more. Welcome to World Mandate 2017. Hey, real live hello from outer space. That's amazing. Uh, like you said, this is the tail end of our World Mandate weekend. It's our annual missions conference. And so uh, as we got people pouring in, can you scoot to the middle just so we make sure everyone has a seat? Today is going to be a little bit of an unorthodox day, but you're going to leave encouraged. You're going to leave in awe of Jesus, and uh, you're going to be inspired. My name is Zach, for those that don't know me. And um, this January, as a church, we've been taking time together to focus in on two keywords, margin and mission. And we've been learning about that God wants us to live with margin. He actually designed us to be a people of margin. We've been talking about margin in the area of rest, margin in the area of the way we use our time, margin in the area of our emotional life, emotional margin, margin in our financial life. And then this uh, last week, we practiced what we've been learning about. We took three days to fast, to a spiritual discipline that Christians have practiced for generations, setting aside food to make space, to focus on Jesus, to meet with him. We gathered on Thursday night to pray together, and then we had our World Mandate weekend. So Friday night, we heard from Francis Chan, and he talked about loving Jesus, and we worshiped together, and we prayed, and it was awesome. Saturday morning, we heard some amazing stories of what God is doing in Mozambique, Africa, through the life of a woman named Tracy Evans. Last night, Pastor Jimmy Seibert shared with us about having faith for more, what God wants to do in 2017. And so coming into this Sunday morning, what I wanted to do, just to kind of cap off the weekend, is to look back over 2016 with you. How many of y'all traveled as kids? You would go on road trips with your family. Any, any road, road warrior families out there? My family, we are from Texas, but my dad's side of the family lived in North Carolina. And both my parents are teachers, so what that meant is in the summer, they had time off, and we would pack up in the car, and we would drive from central Texas all the way to North Carolina, which for a 7, 8, 9, 10, 37-year-old uh, boy, man, that's a long time in the car, right? And, and this was pre-iPhone, pre-iPad, pre-iPod, pre-all-that-i stuff, no DVD player. It was just a long time in the car, you know, mile after mile after mile. And so we come up with different things to do to kind of pass the time. One of those things was we played, we tried to see if we could only stop at Cracker Barrels. Over the several-day journey, could we do breakfast, lunch, and dinner at Cracker Barrels? Any Cracker Barrel fans? Anybody really good at that tea game where you move the golf tees? Jake Shepard right here. Okay. Um, so we go from one Cracker Barrel to another, and they sold uh, radio programs, like old-time radio programs. Like the kind of my parents would say, oh, we listened to that when we were kids, right? And so we would listen to those, and that would be one of the ways that we would pass the time. But another way we passed time was I would look for state lines. Like it took forever to get out of Texas. I mean, it was just like, how long? How big is this state? Good night, right? But you get to the Texas border, and you pass into a new state, and you'd be like, oh, we, we've made some progress. Like our journey has shifted. 
And so several states would pass fairly quickly until you got to Tennessee. And then Tennessee was another one of those, good night, how long are we going to be in Tennessee? But those state lines were significant. They were kind of like mile markers in our journey. And as I think about World Mandate, I realize this is a mile marker for us as a community. This one that we've just had is like we've been on this journey called 2016. And we're transitioning now, not just in a year sense, but really in a stage of life for our church. And I want to look back over 2016 with y'all. And my hope is to share, share with you some of the ways that God's been at work in your lives, in our lives as a community. I want to encourage you today. That's my, that's my goal. So one way that I have seen God at work in your life and our lives together in 2016 is that we've grown in knowing, enjoying, and treasuring Jesus. And that's a significant thing. Sometimes we can just move beyond that and move on, but I want to cause us to pause and stop and wait a minute and be like, wow. That really matters. That's significant. And I've seen the way that many of us, and as a community, that we've grown this year in knowing Jesus, enjoying Jesus, in treasuring Jesus. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 11, my mentor used to always share this verse with me. I want to read it to you. Romans eleven thirty three. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing maybe one of his most famous books of the Bible, I mean, it's a theological masterpiece, and he's building this argument, and he gets almost sidetracked, caught up in a little seemingly rabbit trail uh, with this verse. He just gets kind of caught up in how awesome Jesus is, and he says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. And my mentor would say to me, he said, Zach, focus in on that oh part. That's not like, oh, Wow, the wisdom and riches and knowledge of God. It's not like that. He said, that's, oh, wow. The riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And he said, I want you to think about that old cartoon, DuckTales. Anybody remember DuckTales? Uncle Scrooge, he had all the money. And he would, I don't know how a duck gets a lot of money, but he sure had a lot. And he would dive into this big kind of bank of coins, of gold coins. And it wasn't like an inch deep or a foot deep, but it was on and on and on. My mentor, Robert, said that's what Jesus is like. He's like treasure that you can never exhaust. And Paul's just tapped into that, and we're invited into that same thing as follower of Jesus. Wow, Jesus, you're awesome. And I've seen us grow in that revelation and that realization in 2016. Some of the ways that we've done that, we have gathered all together over 52 times this last year. Week in and week out, we've come together and we've worshiped in song together. We've sung together about how amazing Jesus is. And that's, that is significant in our lives. We've lifted him up and we've enjoyed him together. And I wanna honor everyone that served on our worship team or the team back there that does all the uh, sound controls and slides and everything. We are so blessed as a church to have such great leadership in the area of worship. And I want to honor everyone who has served on that team. Oh, yeah, give them a clap. Give them a clap. That's not something to take, that's not something to take for granted. But that's significant. And along the way, 
God provided for us this year. God provided Jeremy, uh, Carolee West, and their family. Remember, they joined us in the summer and have led us. Jeremy has led us in the area of worship week in and week out this fall. And man, what provision from the Lord. God has provided for us as a community. And that's just worth Noting, So we've gathered together. We've taken communion together. We've remembered what Jesus has done on our behalf. We've prayed together. We've prayed for one another week in and week out. And we have opened up our hearts and opened up our lives to hear the word of the Lord to us. Each week, I want to recount some of the things that we've looked at from the scriptures together. We started the year looking at compassion, the compassion of Jesus and the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, looking back on 2016, it's just amazing to me. Like, we didn't know what the year was going to hold. But how is God preparing us to be a people marked by his love in the midst of all that our country has experienced this last year? God was preparing us. God was giving us his word and his heart for what was in store before us. We went from learning about compassion to studying about the life of Joseph as recorded in the book of Genesis, and we focused on influence. Every single one of you is an influencer. Whether you know it or not, you are made in the image of God, and you are an influencer. And you may influence one, or you may influence a 1,000 or 10,000. I don't know the answer to that, but your life has influence. And we learn from God's word how we can use the influence that we have to be leaders worth following. And we let that shape us and mold us and make us this year. We then transitioned to study 2 Corinthians together, and we focused in on the topic of how the gospel is good news. We say often around here, Jesus didn't come to give us good advice. He came to be good news, right? But we can lose, well, what, is that, what does that mean? I mean, it sounds cool, but what does that mean? And as we studied through 2 Corinthians, we saw different ways together that the gospel is really good news. So we studied 2 Corinthians. Then we moved on and we studied the book of Ezra. And we saw the way that in times of turmoil, difficulty, and trial, that God is at work reviving his people. And we saw the way that God stirred the hearts of the people in the book of Ezra, in the Old Testament of the Bible. And I can't tell you how many of you came and shared with me that God was stirring things in your heart, things he was calling you to, things he was developing, things he was working, both for you as an individual and for us as a community. We entered the fall by studying the book of Philemon, and we saw how the gospel transforms relationships. Then we learned how to pray, looking at uh, finding our prayer language, and we closed out the year studying the book of 1 Peter and the grace of God. What I want you to hear in all that is to hear the amount of Scripture, the amount of God's Word that we've taken time over this last year, that you've taken time, made effort to hear, to listen to, to be shaped and instructed and prepared and strengthened by. That's significant. You've grown. We've grown in that and enjoying Jesus in his word. In the midst of that, um, God has been uh, just 
working in people's lives and hearts and showing up. And I wanted to share with you or have someone share. Justin, you can come on up. Justin, share with you what that's looked like for him because his story is our story as well. So, Justin, take it away, sir. Can you all welcome him? Hey, y'all. So, yeah, I just want to tell you a little bit about my story and um, what my last year has looked like as a part of Antioch and how um, I became a Christian this past year and how it's really transformed my life. Um, So I've grown up in a Christian household. Um, My parents were young life leaders and everything, and I went to a Christian school up until the time I moved to Texas and I was nine, and it was really all I knew. I was in that bubble. Um, But it wasn't until I got to college that I realized it was something that I did, and it wasn't something that I actually lived out. And it was a really confusing time in my life because I was um, a part of these groups that um, didn't really support that. And it was also something that I wasn't even sure if I believed in at that point. So it was really easy for me to take a step back and um, knowing I had to face it at some point in time, but really um, not pursue it. So my first semester of college, I really didn't do anything. Um, And I was okay with that at that time. Um, But it was my second semester that I started to get involved in a few groups um, that interested me. and I started to see something in other people's lives that I was definitely lacking. Um, and so going into my sophomore year, about a year and a half ago, I uh, wanted to find my own church, and I was trying to take it upon myself a little bit more to figure this out. Um, and I ended up in Antioch, and what I saw in people like y'all, I saw this passion and this kindness in people. And um, whenever I say kind, I don't mean like nice. I, I mean there was genuine kindness and love and um, a community here that I had never been a part of with another church. Um, but even with that, I still felt pretty stagnant, um, and it was December that year that I really hit rock bottom, and, um, there was a lot of chaos going on in my life that I just didn't know how to deal with, and, um, as that was happening that night, um, I reached out to someone here, Stephen Murray, some of y'all probably know him, um, I didn't know him at all at the time, um, and I just texted him, like, hey, we're strangers, but can I come and talk to you, and he was like, yeah, sure, um, (laughs) which I appreciated, and, um, I just kind of told him what I was going through, and um, he didn't really go Jesus on me at that point, which I appreciated at the time, um, but I left that conversation with the most peace and clarity I felt in my entire life in the direction that I kind of needed to go, um, and amid the chaos um, was what really stuck out to me, and that was um, Jesus working in my life at that point. I didn't realize that really at the time. I kind of did, but I was like, mm. Um, but I knew that I wanted to pursue myself more and figure things out more for me, Um, but also I really wanted to finally pursue my faith Um, because up until that point, I couldn't. Um, And after that, my life really, truly transformed um, because I had opened up my heart to him. And it was, you know, he's always pursuing us, but it's in those moments that um, we finally open ourselves up to him that our lives actually change. Um, and that's what happened to me in those months. Um, and, you know, also something else that was really strong at that point was, um, that previous semester I had been praying for God to place someone in my life. This was before I had really totally opened up to him, but I was feeling stagnant and I wanted something more in my life. And I said, God, just please place someone in my life who can lead me to you. Um, but I think what he did in that chaos was he took, um, things and people out of my life, um, that finally allowed me to do that. And since then, um, my life has transformed. I started hearing the sermons here at Antioch more. Um, like, I, I truly felt them, and I truly understood them. And I started hearing um, the music I had never sung. I had never screamed or anything like y'all do sometimes. But uh, um, 
that was something that I was feeling and I was looking around and I was like, oh, I'm a part of this too. This is cool. Um, and my life just started to feel so different. Um, and I, you know, I, my verse for that um, season and really I feel like for the rest of my life will be just trust. In, it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and rely not on your own understanding for if you put your trust in him, he'll direct all your paths. Um, and I really have Antioch and the people in my life group and my teammates um, and God to thank for that. So thank you all. Awesome. So cool. You did great. So the cool thing about Justin is God's been at work in his life that Jesus has been revealing himself to Justin. And then God's been using Justin. Justin's on the swim team at SMU. And he's been using Justin and an organization called Fellowship of Christian Athletes to create space for other athletes to experience that same thing, to experience Jesus at work. So it's just an honor to get to walk with you in this season. We're celebrating what God is doing in and through you and proud of you. So just want you to know that. That's been amazing. That's, that's, that's God at work in our midst, showing up and, and revealing himself to, to people out of that place. Out of that place, out of knowing him, we have grown this year. I've seen you grow. I've seen God at work in your lives. Uh, we've grown as, a, as being a people sent on mission to build community, authentic friendships that reflect the gospel. I want to unpack this for you a little bit. We, we live in a, an age and even a year that's been shaped by division, that's been shaped by animosity, discord, hatred. Uh, the building of walls has been one of the most significant focuses of our year. And yet what I've seen y'all do is live out the gospel, which doesn't build walls, it breaks walls down. Which doesn't isolate, it pulls people in. It builds friendships. And more than ever, I think we're seeing the power of loving one another, the power of community, the power of building friendships as a witness of what God has done for us in Jesus. In the way that you guys have welcomed one another, not just people that look like you, not just people that vote like you, not just people that are from the same place as you or make the same amount of money as you, but the way that you have welcomed people is representative of the way that God in Christ has welcomed us. The way that you have served people is representative of the way that God in Christ has served you. The way that you have been generous and kind, like Justin is talking about, has been represented, has been a witness to our world. I mean, Jesus himself said the way the world will come to know that he's the one sent by God is through our love for one another. And I've seen y'all love one another and grow in love for one another. And I want to celebrate that today. I want to celebrate God at work in our midst through that. One of the primary environments where that happens is our life groups. And this is such a blow away to me. You guys have built these communities, these authentic friendships, and now they're about 425 Dallasites of different ages, different ethnicities, different income levels, different political associations, all that stuff gathered in these groups, reflecting the gospel to our world. Way to go. Way to go. That is significant. And I want to celebrate that. I want to have uh, a couple stories to help illustrate how that has been at work in our midst. So Hassan, will you come up? All right. This is my friend Hassan. Hassan, why don't you share with us? Hi, everybody. 
sorry to, uh, my language is, uh, English language is second language, maybe communication sphere. <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, I'm sharing uh, some of my story when I arrived here uh, to Dallas. I lived in my country at uh, October 2015. I came here as a refugee. I am alone, don't know anyone. I can't speak English well until I introduced someone from Anyak Church. And he invited me to Anyak. I don't know what is meaning the Anyak, what is meaning the church. I don't have any idea. When I came, she introduced me about the people. I found this awesome people. Don't ask me about where I'm from. I am from Middle East. Because I have the idea, all people thinking I'm from Middle East, I'm a terrorist, or I'm this. But when I came here, I found these different things. So, wow, it's awesome. In uh, one of the day, I have accident, car accident. I'm feeling alone. I stay at the uh, hospital for four days. I don't have contact for American people for helping. Just I have my caseworker, the office number. When I call them at the night, I found the answer machine. and found my friends. Thank you for Stephen, Stephen Mary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, found, I found his contact number. I call, hey, Stephen, I, am ha I have an accident. Please, I am alone. At least one hour, I found he is beside me at the site, and he is a prayer for me. When I came here at uh, Anyak, I found the people is learning me how to pray. What is the, the word of the Lord and how is reading the Bible. And every, and invite me to the life group and when have lunch, birthday, they invite me. Really, I'm feeling I'm with the, my family. I don't miss my, I, I don't miss my family or the God's it sent a new family, a new friends, who don't stay alone. Uh, every week when I'm uh, reading the verse, I have a question about the Bible, I call my friends Adam or Stephen or anyone, hey, I have a question about the Bible, can I ask you, can I discuss? Okay, we have one hour, we'll discuss that. We, we do it, we that do it for one year around every, every Thursday. And when I came here to the Sunday, I have a new experience. When I came here, I have the sins, I have the selfish, and speaking about the people, when I'm following the word of the Bible, the word of Jesus, the word of God, really is changing my life, is lighting my life, okay? And believe, and success in my job, uh, and now back into my school, to complete my study and believe who is believe me or I am the way for a true and the life. Really, I believe this, the, he is what he is speak. Uh, and they encourage me to do. I'm counseling them. Now I am volunteer with E3 partner for translate from English to Arabic and help the Arab uh, Arab Muslim refugee to know who is the Jesus, what, what that meaning, who is the God. That's that's the last thing I do. It. Thank you for thank you for everyone. He has came in my life. Thank you for everything's do it and lighting my life. Thank you for 
everything. So, so okay, thank you. Very good. Wow. Man, and very impressive. I don't know how many of us could give a speech like that in our non-native language. Way to go, Hassan. And you've been such a joy to our community. You're God's gift to us as well. We have learned and loved one another, and we're proud to have you apart. And we're excited for what Jesus is doing in your life. So I want to celebrate you today. Man, that's good stuff. A uh, second story that I want to share with you on this regard. Adam, if you'll come up, sir. All right. I've got a verse I wanted to share to kind of... Um, describe my life before and coming to Antioch. Um, it's Proverbs 19.3. It says, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. And that was my life. Um, before, I, I, I worked in ministry. Uh, I've been in church most of my life. And, um, and my history with that has been kind of constant striving and keeping up a facade of everything's okay, everything's good, there's nothing wrong, don't show anybody the, the sin inside, the messed up part of me inside. And um, so working in ministry, it was uh, kind of a very, I would say, split personality life, I would say. And, um, and so I, I realize now that part of the facade, with, like me striving after the things like career and having a, a spouse or finding a friend group that'll help me find the first two, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like keeping, the, getting the right friends, you know, and, um, and so I realized all of those things were because I was running from the pain that was inside. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do with it. And so I just kind of was like, you know what, it's just going to be this curtain, you know, it's like when you, people come over to your house, you're like, don't go in that room over there. That's okay. <laughs> you know, like it's all in there. And, um, and so, you know, I worked for, for several years in a fairly large ministry with that type of lifestyle. And, um, and about end of 2014, that kind of all fell down. You know, I was seeking after, I was dating a girl. I was like, man, I'm going to get married to her. She's awesome, blah, blah, blah. Broke up with me. The job I was working at. I was like miserable at because I just the, the 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 situation I was in it was just terrible that came crashing down my friend group came crashing down and so I was found myself alone and thinking just I was like angry at God like my folly had led me here because I thought I was following the Lord I wasn't I was doing my own thing and I was angry at God I was like you know what God I hate you I hate you that all of this happened why did this happen to me I thought I was following you I thought I knew your ways I thought I loved you but I guess not. And so I kind of just checked out for a while. I was just like, you know what, God, I'm just going to pretend. I can't, like, I can't not believe in you because I've seen you do some crazy stuff. But I just want to pretend like you don't exist because I'm tired of the Christian game. I'm tired of putting on a facade. Everyone is either crazy or they're fake. And so I was like, I just want to live life and be okay and not you know, feel bad about what I'm doing. And, um, and so I kind of lived like that for a while. Like deep down I knew God existed, but I just pretended like he didn't exist for a long time. And, um, but he still exists. So, and he, he, through that season, he kept intervening and being like, Hey, hello, I'm still there. I'm still there. 
and uh, he still chased after me in that season. And uh, that season kind of brought me out of working in ministry. And uh, I, maybe you all know of a place called White Rock Coffee. It's over there. Um, I've worked there for probably about two years. And um, as many of you all know, a lot of Antiochers go to White Rock Coffee, including the staff. And uh, they would come in. And me being in the season I was, I was like, eh, no, I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to talk to you. You're one of those Christians. And I, I was just hurting. You know, I was just like, no, no, no. And, um, but through that season, the Lord really started seeking after me. And through a series of crazy events, I found myself searching again and f- trying to come after him again. And uh, it led me into the doors here at Antioch. And um, this is where I met Jesus for the first time, really. Um, and that was through faithful men who pursued me and loved me and walked me through the walk of grace that restored me into a relationship with the Lord again. And now it's led me to being overseas last summer, working with refugees and looking to go again next year full time. And um, I just wanted to just honor Zach. He was one of them. Sky Tony. Y'all remember Craig Dennison? Just Steve, just the list goes on of men who just just went out of their way to invest in me. And, um, and Joe Pellino. How can I forget Joe? <laughs> He's right there. <laughs> but... But yeah, just faithful men. You don't know who, what impact and influence. He was talking about where influences. You don't know the influence you have with people. I just worked in a coffee shop. I was just a normal guy, and these people were kind to me, and they showed the love of Jesus to me. And whenever the Lord finally was working in my life, they were the first people I sought after because I knew there was something there. And two, I wanted to encourage you all, if you're in that place of strife and facade, just know that Jesus doesn't want you to be there. He doesn't want you to have a facade on. He doesn't, he can already see through it, <laughs> you know, so you don't have to, you don't have to have a facade on. You don't have to strive for him. Amen. Awesome. You did great. So good. Wow. That's rich. God's been at work through y'all transforming people's lives through building community, building friendships, coffee shop, visiting someone in the hospital, helping someone when their car breaks down, they have a baby, go and visiting them. I've just seen it over and over and over and over again in y'all's lives, and I want to celebrate that. That's amazing. Way to go. Out of that place, out of building community, one of the things that happens, out of those authentic relationships, is disciples are made. When you read through the Gospels, you see Jesus intentionally building disciples, and then he gives his disciples the mission to not only be a disciple, but to go and to be a part of seeing other disciples made. And out of these relationships, we've seen disciples formed and transformed this year. That's amazing. One of the ways that we have focused on that, that we've grown in that this year, is through our door holder initiative. What's a door holder? A door holder is someone who's tasted the goodness of the inside, and wants other people to get to be a part. And the goodness of the inside here is not Antioch. Antioch's not the big deal. Jesus is the big deal. And it's people, many in this room, who've tasted the goodness of Jesus and said, hey, I want to invest my time. I want to invest my talent. I want to invest what I have to hold the door open for someone else. So whether that is literally holding the door open on Sunday morning or that's serving in the kids' ministry, holding the door open for kids to learn about Jesus, whether that's as a life group leader, uh, Austin Street volunteering down there, forerunner mentoring, any of those 
teams that we've had, we've had over 200 people this, uh, this last year serve as door holders saying, I want to do that. I want to hold the door. I want to hold the door for other people to know about Jesus. And I want to celebrate you. That's disciples being made. And so Amy, where are you? Miss Banta, come on up. Amy's going to share a little bit about what that has looked like in her life. She's one of our door holders. She's a life group leader. So, Amy, take it away. Hi, my name is Amy Banta, and um, I am so thankful to be a part of the Antioch community for so many reasons, and one of them just being the incredible women of God who have invested in my life, who have poured in and pointed me back to Jesus continuously. And, um, and just through that... I um, am, um, I have the opportunity to to lead um, a life group um, with a couple of other people, and um, just the women who have co- um, who have come into this life group. It's like if I have um, if my measure um, of fullness is overflow, then I have just this overabundance of Jesus. And what's um, what's the natural thing to do is just look around and see how I can give that away. And so these women, um, I have the opportunity to disciple these women, and um, just through that. Uh, we've seen like uh, uh, just coworkers and friends and um, neighbors encounter Jesus, and even some of them beginning to follow Him, and um, and so I'm just really thankful for um, just what God is doing and His faithfulness, and um, just the ultimate goal is just falling more in love with Him. Yeah. Amen. You did great. So good. Love the disciple makers of our community, the door holders of our community. Now, part of doing that is we've wanted to do that with intentionality here in Dallas. And you've just heard different stories of people living that out, living out this mission here in our city. But we've also wanted to be a part of seeing that happen around the world, right? One of the, the verses that's the foundation of our faith is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, right? It doesn't just say, for God just so loved me, or God just so loved Dallas, he loves Dallas like crazy. He loves you like crazy, but his heart is for the world, right? And so we wanted to be a part of the things that he's doing around the world to lift up the fame and the name of Jesus, to see people uh, transformed, touched. And I've seen you guys live this out. When we learned about the Syrian refugee crisis uh, last year, I saw 73 people from our community say, hey, I'm willing to go to Brussels, Belgium to serve refugees, to love and to share and to give. Uh, maybe for some of you, it was a week, two weeks, several months. Um, out of that, we're actually going to plant a long-term church in Brussels to continue this work. So I want to celebrate the significance of the way that you have lived that out. I know that many weren't able to go, but they were able to pray. They were able to give like there was a, it was a group effort, a group project, and that's amazing. So I'm going to have Sky, Tony, Mr. Sky, come on up. Sky is going to, uh, he and his wife, Amy, are going to lead this new church plant that we're launching in 2017 in Brussels. So he's going to share with you a little bit about that kind of the overflow of this last year and what that is leading to. So Mr. Sky. All right. Hey guys. Hey, so we kicked off 2016 with Zach 
sharing about um, this story that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan and how the Good Samaritan went to the other side of the road to demonstrate the love of Jesus. And it's such a cool uh, deal for me to be a part of a community where together, like Zach was saying, whether you gave, you prayed, or you went, uh, we went across the ocean to Brussels to demonstrate the love of Jesus uh, to Syrian refugees. And so we hit the ground in Brussels. A lot of y'all came on like short-term trips or uh, like Zach was saying, we had a long-term internship uh, that we were there all summer. And we started serving refugees. We started distributing food. We started doing um, just sitting with people and hearing their stories and processing the grief and the trauma that they've that they've uh, that they had. Um, and God was on the move. I mean, we saw people coming to Jesus. Uh, we saw people being healed. Um, so standing right there in the food line, like distributing food, people have like physical stuff going on. Um, hurt legs, arms, uh, we were just able to stop and pray for them in Jesus' name, and they get healed, and they're like, what? This one lady started dancing, and she invited everybody to her house because she wanted to cook them dinner, um, or her, the, the like, place she was staying wasn't actually a house. Um, but uh, just stuff like that where God is on the move, but we discovered it's more than just the Syrian refugees there in Belgium. The nations of the world are actually in Belgium. Uh, if you know anything about Europe, it is uh, the the seat of the EU, the European Union. So it's like the Washington, D.C. of Europe with nations from all over Europe gathering there, uh, having people represented there, actually people from all over the earth coming there as refugees, as migrants. Uh, in our time there, we were able to engage with and encounter people from over 101 different nations just in our time there in Brussels. And so we were looking around saying, I mean, golly, what, what, what's going on here? Just like Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. I mean, everywhere we went, we discovered, well, Europeans, like, they're hungry for Jesus. They need Jesus too. Like, they're, they're, they want Jesus. They're looking for this love that we have, and we're able to sit down with them. I remember Adam and I, uh, we we met this guy, or actually I did separately, met this, this young guy one day. He, um, he was on crutches, and so he's a European. We were just talking with him and sharing with him, really uh, kind of hard to the gospel, closed, argumentative, but we just loved him, and we, I, we prayed for him and said, hey, you know, we love you, man, um, and throughout the summer, different people from our team uh, or short-term teams would somehow run into this same kid, and we found out that another guy prayed for him on a different trip, and the kid got, gets healed. And so then he's, like, asking questions about, okay, this Jesus that you're talking about that just healed me. And so we're seeing not just refugees, but Europeans encountering Jesus in a way that they, they didn't even know him before. Like, what we're experiencing here, the community and the love that Jesus has given us, like, giving that away and seeing him worship, seeing him um, adored in Belgium and we really believe that it's, it's a strategic city um, in, the, in the earth because what I was saying before, all the nations gathering there in Brussels, Brussels has actually started as a mission base. Um, in 500 and something, 508 A.D., a missionary came there on an island in the middle of the river, built a little um, mission base, and that's what the city grew out of. It's, it's not walking in that now, uh, but it's called by God to be a city of influence, 
and a city that impacts the nations for the gospel. And you see that God's drawn the nations there to Brussels. And we're believing that as we go, we were there this summer, and God put it on different ones of our hearts to say, okay, Lord, here I am, send me. Like Jesus, just what Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we said, we, we've got to be part of this. Jesus, as we were praying for harvesters, Jesus said, okay, it's you. And so we said, yes, Lord. So we're there, and we're believing that God, through Brussels and through our work as a community, as a church in Brussels, that he's going to impact the nations. And we're going to see Matthew 24, 14, that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the ends of the earth, to every nation, to every tribe, to every tongue, and the end will come. Right, And so that's what we're believing for. And we just know that God's heart, Jesus' heart for the city uh, is just overflowing. I mean, you know where he stands up and he weeps over Jerusalem. And he says that Jerusalem, he's longed to draw the people of Jerusalem to himself like a mother hen draws her chicks under her wings. And we believe that as we are there, man, Jesus was just saying that that's, that's his heart for Brussels as well. And so... Um, God's doing amazing things there, and we're excited as a church family to be a part of reaching the, the European businessmen and bureaucrats, the refugees, the prostitutes on the red light district, like all these different people that we were able to reach out to and see God, um, see Jesus break through into their lives. Um, that's, what we're, that's what we're going for. Awesome. Super exciting. So Sky gave a recruiting pitch in the first service. He didn't sneak it in there. But if you would like to join what they're doing, you can talk to him later. You never know what God might say. All right, can I give you one more story? One, one more? My kids always ask me for more stories. So here's, here's one more. Uh, if you can put Larissa's picture up here, another story about being sent. Uh, Larissa was a part of our community. Uh, God sent her out this year. I'm going to read to you her words she uh, wrote this uh, for today. Several years ago, God began to stir in my heart a calling to be a part of racial reconciliation in the church and in our nation. It started as a burden that I didn't know what to do with, and it grew over time through prayer. Yet I had a sense that there was more steps God had for me in walking out this calling. Here in Dallas, I began to participate in discipleship groups that were focused on this issue. I built relationships with other like-minded believers, and it regularly seemed like God was bringing people in my path who had a heart for these same things. Then in the spring of 2016, I was invited by our church plant in Michigan to consider moving up there to be a part of that team, to invest in college students, and to lead out in racial reconciliation ministry in Detroit a city with an incredibly diverse population that was in the process of being rebuilt. As I prayed about this, I grew in the conviction that God was sending me out to this mission. I've been so thankful for the relationships I've built through Antioch Dallas and the work God has done in my heart, and I'm grateful to have been a part of a community that's encouraged me, served me, and sent me out in this new phase of my life and calling that God has for me. Currently, I have been a part of building a group in Michigan that is praying and planning about how to be a voice for the gospel and racial reconciliation in 2017. Man, way to go. Way to go. God has been at work in and through you. And that's just worthy of, wow, thank you, Jesus. You are awesome. 
and I just want to congratulate and honor y'all as people. Uh, with all that, another area that I've seen us grow is in the area of generosity, financial generosity. You know, all of these things that we've described uh, are funded through the generosity of our church, through us giving to the Lord and funding the ministry, and we see this incredible fruit. And I was going to have Matt Reynolds, who's on our stewardship team, come up and share a little bit from their perspective on how we've grown in generosity. Yeah, guys, it has been a year of abundance, and you've just heard of all of the things that Jesus has been accomplishing through this body. And one of the ways that we've been able to do that is through the gifts that you guys have given into what he's working. So we talked about Engage the Crisis. We sent out 73 missionaries. And guys, that was funded by you guys. Y'all provided $150,000 for that. And that was amazing. That didn't just cover the summer mission trips, but that's kickstarting this church plant that Sky is going to be leading with his wife, Amy. And so you guys did that. Not only did you do that, but we asked for money to, to get a building. Y'all weren't here this morning, but our heater isn't working too well. It was cold this morning. Our new building will have heat. And one of the reasons, yes, praise God. One of the reasons we're going to have that is y'all provided $175,000 for that we may. And we're so excited to move into that new building, and thanks to you all. And you did that, $150,000 for Engage the Crisis, $175,000 for that we may, on top of what you usually give. And so all of those that are committed to, to giving on a, a frequent, recurring basis, you all provided this base for us to launch these new initiatives off of. So I want to say thank you. And I want to also say thank you to anyone who gave for their first time this year, whether that be to That We May, whether that be to Engage the Crisis, or just to the church in general. Thank you. Thank you for joining in with what God is doing through us and by sacrificing your money. We appreciate that. And so I just want to say thank you, and I can't wait to see what God does in 2017. Amen. So way to go. Jesus, we just say, man, you are awesome. And it's just been such a privilege, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for inviting us into these incredible things that you're doing and that we don't have to go alone, but we're in this together. Thank you for the ways that you've been at work mightily in our midst in 2016.